Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. That was Julie, I'm Joe, and a couple weeks have gone by quickly on this one. I've got uh, several books that I'm about two-thirds through, but not that many that I've finished since the last time we talked all things books. I've read a lot. What's new? (laughs) All right, here's what I've read. The first one is called Mom Jeans and Other Mistakes, and it's by Alexa Martin. I saw it on Instagram, I think, before Christmas, and quickly Googled it and thought, well, that looks fun. And it was. It was fun. Um, uh, It is currently in my stack to sell back to McKay's right now, just because it's not the kind of book that I think I will read again. Um, But it was a fun book to read. It's the story of two best friends who always dreamed that they would um, live together one day, but not in this way as one of them has just um, lost her fiancé. She's a single mom and needs a place to stay, and the other one has um, pretty much just crashed and burned her life with her family and also needs a place to stay. So it's the two of them trying to sort out their separate personal lives and their friendship when you combine all that in one house. It's a fun book. Then, um, and I have to admit, they live together in a townhouse, and I know it wasn't the same because I think their townhouse was in, like, L.A., but I keep seeing the very first townhouse that I ever lived in, my very first real mm-hmm. apartment. Um, and so it was, it was a fun book to read. <laughs> All right. Um, the next one I read was called Learning in Public by Courtney E. Martin. This book was recommended by Shannon Martin, who is a really fun Facebook follow. I say fun I guess she's really not fun. She's just kind of important, I think. She talks a lot about um, transracial adoption. She talks about justice, equality. Um, She talks a lot about education and the importance of supporting schools. I just really think she's, she's got a good voice for justice in the world. And she recommended this book very highly. I think she even blurbed it, and it was very much worth um, my time in reading. I read bits of it to you and we discussed it. I feel mm-hmm. like a book like this is one that's best when you can discuss the issues in it with somebody. You didn't read this book and I don't expect you to read this book, but I know it was very helpful to me to be able to work out my thoughts as I read it. So Learning in Public is a true story. It's, it's I guess, kind of part memoir, but mostly really journalism too. The author is a journalist And she lives in um, Oakland, California, and her neighborhood school is classified as failing, which, you know, we've, I'm, I'm in education. We all have a lot of experience around here with the classification of school systems and how standardized tests are used to mark schools and reward schools and punish schools. Mm -hmm. Their neighborhood school was classified as failing, and uh, she was really bothered by the fact that it was, you know, Oakland is a really diverse community, but this school was largely um, uh, students who were African American, who were Hispanic, who were like all kinds of different races, very little white. And then the schools in her area that were affluent were largely white. And so none of these schools truly reflected the diversity, like a fair diversity of the area. And it really bothered her, especially that it seemed like all of the black and brown schools were the ones that were being classified as failing. And so she did a deep dive into why this is, um, what integration really means, what integration was supposed to look like in our country versus what it actually looks like now. 
And she made the decision to send her daughter to this neighborhood school. And so it's part journalism and it's part the story of their experience in this school and this school district. Um, it's not like a white savior kind of story. It's really uh, an, an, it's an attempt to understand what it looks like to live within the rich diversity that our country has while being um, respectful and cognizant of all of those cultures. And especially, I think, as an educator and as a parent, it was really important and interesting and meaningful for me to read this particular story. As, as we deal with racial issues in the 21st century, there is a tendency to view all of this as old, settled stuff. I mean, Brown versus Board of Education happened. None of this matters. No, 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 no. And it she still talks about goes that, on. She talks yeah. about that quite a lot, too, and she talks about a lot of the predominantly white schools that she toured um, who were very focused on social justice, and they talked about it a great deal, and they did a lot of projects about it, and they really wanted to look like they were working toward it, and yet their schools didn't reflect it. Yeah. So you're right. There's There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of sometimes consideration that that is that part anyway is behind we're integrated but it's it's still not and there's still a lot of work to be done there not unlike a certain book that i will be discussing likely in two weeks by messrs obama and springsteen a okay. little bit of foreshadowing you can, <laughs> can come back to that <laughs> all right i don't even know i don't even know how you think that's going to connect we'll talk about it more later all right next one is reckless girls by paula hawkins which is a book of the month club book that I got because every now and then I like to read a thriller and I like Paula Hawkins, but this book did not really thrill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't like to say, I don't like to criticize books on here, really. If I don't like a book, I'm just not going to say a whole lot about it, you know? Yeah. But um, I, I, re I realized some stuff about myself as I read this book and you and I talked about it as well. There are some things that... There are some tropes within books mm -hmm. that you just, they're, they're not for you. And this one was one of those for me. I totally see why many people like this book. I think that um, it really was a good thriller. I, I like the way it was set up, the structure. There was all kinds of things coming that you didn't see coming. Um, but just like the plight of the poor little rich people, I don't, I'm over it. And I'm also over just the idea of people who spend the whole book scrabbling for what they deserve. Those two things don't do it for me, despite that they did when I read Gatsby. Crash so. Warrior, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's some books where it works. This one didn't for me sure. on those because of those things. Right. But I can see why it would for a lot of people. It's got a great setting on a remote tropical island, lots of nice creepiness. So if, you're, if you like those kinds of things, would be one you might want to give a shot to. Then I read Home Cooking by Laurie Colwyn, which is a collection of her essays, I think, from the New York Times. She is an author who, this book was written in the 80s, and she was a fiction writer, and then she also wrote some stuff about food, and then I think most of her books kind of faded out of publication, and recently they have become in vogue again. I had a lot of fun reading this book, although I don't think I would ever make almost anything that was in it. <laughs> I read you at one point, I was like, why would anyone boil beef? I mean, there were just, <laughs> there were all kinds of recipes like that, that I just, 
I could not imagine why anybody would want to eat Boiling it. Boiling good, beef good. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. But honestly, Laurie Colwyn even managed to make the process of making food that I thought would be kind of disgusting sound interesting. I thoroughly enjoyed reading the way she wrote about food. And the last one that I read, besides our shared book, was Take Me Home Tonight by Morgan Matson, which was just a fast little young adult book about two best friends who take a trip to New York that they have no business taking and all kinds of hijinks ensue. This was, for me, another book that the main appeal was the setting. They did a fabulous job with New York City at night when you are 16 years old. It was just really a lot of fun for that purpose. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, so that was a weird little collection of books that I read, and the reasons that I liked or didn't like them were really kind of odd. It's how it goes sometimes. It just is. Again, I literally... This time is very ho-hum for me. Next time should be awesome just because I'm in one of those spots where I have like six books that I'm three quarters of the way through with. But anyway, three for me, one of which we're going to talk about where we're doing something different, just born out of necessity with the joint read. We actually kind of sort of have two joint reads. because We don't kind of sort of. We have two joint reads. We read them both and we want to talk about both of them. So we will... So I'll pass by that one and go straight to... I read a thriller. I read The Three Hostages by John Bucken. Wasn't that... Was that not a true story? No. Oh, never mind. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a novel. It's a Richard Hannay adventure. John Bucken is this early 20th century British novelist who writes thrillers. I discovered him because his uh, first Richard Hannay book is called The 39 Steps which Alfred Hitchcock apparently enjoyed, and he made it into the movie, The 39 Steps, which I love And is I that the dearly. play we watched in London? It is indeed. They I can never a, remember the name of it. It was a great play. The 39 Steps. It, it was a successful play in London when we were there. So, um, Hannay is kind of your your everyman hero. Uh, he, he has military adventures in his distant past. The Three Hostages, he's kind of settling down uh, he's married, he's got a kid, he has no intention of getting involved in hijinks, but they bring him a unique puzzle. Um, he actually hears a guy seemingly out of stream of consciousness mention three unrelated things that that seem completely random, and it turns out these three things are at the center of a mystery of three different kidnappings. And of course, they weren't random. The guy had heard them somewhere, and once he figures out where he's heard them, it leads Richard Hannay to try to get to the bottom of a spy ring. There, there's hypnosis in this one. There's a little bit of uh, like weird supernaturally stuff. Bucking likes to, to fiddle around with that. But I enjoy these books. They're just a, a change up for me. Uh, it's not the first time I've read any of them. I've read them all probably four or five times. But it was a fun read. I enjoyed it. it those books are always just nice comfort reads. Yeah, and... yeah. Well, I mean, he's English. It's, it's kind of my Harry Potter, you know. <laughs> Who's, uh, you know, just where I'm at. But so from from there. Sorry, that is just the hilarious way to describe it. An old it. English man who's trying to putter about his garden is my Harry Potter. This is where I am. I've I got that it. on a T-shirt. I think. I love um, it. I love it. The, the next one is Unrequited Infatuations by Stevie Van Zant, Miami Steve, the guitar slinger of the E Street Band uh, and various assorted other Jersey acts. 
You may know him as Silvio Dante from The Sopranos or, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, Frankie Tagliano in Lilyhammer, which is actually his show top to bottom. Uh, but Steve did a book and I really enjoyed this. Steve's book is, is long on color and on great stories. It's short on pinning down facts. I mean, for instance, you know, again, he's one of Bruce Springsteen's best friends in the world. I thought I'd get a ton of Springsteen stuff. There's very little Springsteen. Springsteen just kind of pops in and pops out of the book, it's and he goes on his Stevie's way. It's story. It's not Springsteen's it is. story. It is. Well, but I mean, if your best friend happens to be, you know, one of the it guys of, you of his era. You still want to tell your own story, not his story. And his story is really probably more interesting to me, I have to say. Uh yeah, Can I'm, I just say that one of my favorite Stevie Van Zant roles is as the one of the criminals in jail in that Christmas Chronicles movie on yes, Netflix? Yes, and he talked about that too. Yeah. <laughs> but my favorite thing about Stevie, if you've never seen Bruce Springsteen live, you're missing out. It's one of the best shows ever. And when Stevie's on stage, it's kind of hard to take your eyes off him. Yeah, he's he's kind of a crazy pirate. Uh, he's so fun to watch. Yeah, but but he's always he enjoys himself. He, he's got the spirit. The first show we watched at the end, they did their little shtick, and and Springsteen's been through two minutes of stuff, and he says, "All I want to know, Stevie, is what time is it?" And Stevie says, "It's boss time," and they kick back into glory days, and that's how they live. I mean. Used to just enjoy life. Stevie, the surprise of the book for me was how how much of a political influence I think Stevie's probably been on Bruce. I don't know if it was direct. I don't think, you know, Bruce came around and said, well, what do you think about this? I knew about Stevie's involvement in anti-apartheid politics. I didn't know as much about it as I learned in this book. And it was really interesting to see him kind of sometimes by example, sometimes by direct inspiration, say to Springsteen, hey, you never thought you would get this adoration, this fame. How about you use it in some of these ways? And I definitely think the impact has been there. Yeah, tell you can, you can tell a story. Tell the one about um, Stevie influencing Bruce's charity. Yeah, they, they, uh, they meet up. He's out of the E Street Band at this point. And they kind of get together a couple times during the making of Born in the USA, which Stevie's gone. He's on a few of those songs, but he's out of the band. And Bruce has played him some of the songs. And, and you know, they're talking about just what a massive record this is going to be. And, and it was. I mean, you know, one of those like 10 million selling records that just exploded. And, and Bruce kind of says, well, what do I do with it? And Stevie says, hey, you, you know how you used to have, you know, benefit concerts or, or acts will be like, okay, you know, this specific night of the tour, we're going to raise some money for this. He said, why don't you do that every night? And Springsteen does. This is a staple of his thing since. Whatever One town of my he's favorite in, things about Springsteen. he will find, you know, the soup kitchen, the Salvation <laughs> Army. What there will be some local thing. Yeah, like unique to, based in that town. Yeah. And, and he will talk about them during the show. And when you leave, there are people out there. If you want to donate money, they're glad to take your money. Yeah, uh, it's just, it is such a cool thing. Yeah. So just, just small things like that. I, I enjoy getting to know more about Stevie. I didn't really particularly have the bar set very high for this book, but it was so much better than I thought it would be. It was really <laughs> good. I enjoyed it. 
Um, and, and would recommend it if you have any interest in the man's many ventures. We have both been really surprised lately by reading books by musicians and how excellent they were. And that brings us into the shared reads for this week. Yes. We told you last time that we were going to talk about Dave Grohl's book, The Storyteller. And mm. we are also going to throw in Will by Will Smith, which I had read and mentioned, and you managed to finish over these past couple weeks. Yeah, so over the two weeks, you read the Grohl book and I read the Will Smith book. And they just pair. Yeah, I don't together. mind talking about them as two of a piece because they're some of the best autobiographies I've read in a long time. Very different from some of your favorite musical autobiographies like Bob Dylan's Chronicles and um, Springsteen's latest book that he wrote about himself. What is the name of it? Oh, I can see it. It's a silver <laughs> I book. I know. I can see it. Cover. I can see him on the front of it. Anyway, yeah. those are books that are very, very different. Um, you've talked about Dylan's quite a lot. Um, maybe half fiction. Who really knows? And then, oh, at least half. <laughs> maybe ninety-eight percent fiction. But it's just—it's just got a cool lyrical kind of style to it. It's poetic. Yeah. yeah. Springsteen's um, reads like it's—it's it's very honest. It's very moving. It's very deep. Neither of these two books really go in either of those directions. They're not exceptionally lyrical in their writing. They're not really deep in their meaning very much. But they're incredibly well written. They're really fun. They're fascinating and interesting looks into the lives of two American icons. Yeah, for for Will Smith, uh, I think maybe even more than Grohl, although there's some of this in his book too, so much of it is the journey on a personal level. It's not the journey to become a big musician, which he does. It's not the journey to become a TV star, which he does. It's not the journey to become a movie star, although he does identify that as like a career goal that he kind of grew into because he does those things. He's he's a doer. He's an accomplisher. But For I those like who have been watching Get Back, he's Paul. He's in there putting in the hours. He's honing his craft day in and day out. It's more on the personal level for him. But that's true of Dave Grohl's book as well. Um, I feel like for both of it, for Will Smith's book, it's maybe a little bit more up in your face. Because again, yeah. like I mentioned, he structures the book around themes and his chapters will be things like power, faith, whatever. Written Grohl's with, is book, it Mark Manson? Is that the guy's name? The, the, the Art of Not Giving an Expletive? That's, that's his big book. But okay. But then with Dave Grohl, his is more, it's, it's more of a subtle thing. But the book is also his growth as a person, his growth as um, into a person of meaning. He centers his more around his his daughters. Yeah. So the idea for him is that he became a person of meaning, a person of worth by becoming a father. And then everything else fell into place. For Will Smith, he became a person of meaning, a person of worth by figuring out who he really was. And... Um, being able to put his success into a context. Right. So you've got that going in each book. There is a search for meaning. But when I say that they're not really books of, of depth, it's because they are so full of stories that are just some of the best music and entertainment stories you will ever find. They're both so funny, so fascinating. Some of them just straight up things from their personal lives. Others things that were very public um, and then, then there are the ones in between that they are the only people who could have possibly told. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of the story that Dave Grohl told about when Paul McCartney came to his house and visited with his daughters. I mean, 
Honestly, yeah. that's amazing. And like with Will Smith, I'm thinking about um, for him just the experiences that he got to have just by mentioning somebody's name and then that person would like pop up. I love the story that he told when he was getting divorced and he said that he called Quincy Jones. Yes, who's, okay, who's yeah. the guy who makes the Fresh Prince happen, of mm-hmm. course. And he's, you know, I thought Quincy was going to have some deep philosophical thing to say. And Quincy said, write her a check for half and get on your way. You got a kid with the woman. You're going to see her every Christmas anyhow. Write the check for half. Move on. And he said, I didn't want to hear that. You know, I, I thought he was going to have some deep, meaningful thing to say. But he was right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So I, I love that. There were some great Quincy Jones stories. Uh, they're just great everybody story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's too many to catalog, and we don't want to spoil them all for you anyway. I, I was I never listened to Nirvana really. I mean, you couldn't avoid Smells Like Teen Spirit, and I'm sure I heard some other songs too. But I am absolutely the top worst for never knowing who sang a song or what the title of the song was. So I know I knew some Nirvana songs, but it wasn't like I was a big fan. I've never been a huge Foo Fighters fan, although I absolutely want to start listening to some of their music now because yeah. he made it sound so cool. Yeah. But my point in all this is you don't have to be a fan of either of these people no. to really like the heck out of these books. I loved Dave Grohl's book, and I didn't really even know who he was very much before you put the book in my hands. Will Smith, of course, I had more experience with thanks to our son's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air addiction. Um, but still, I wouldn't have called myself a fan. And this was a really, really fun book to read. Yeah, yeah. Just relatable, interesting the main thing is you closed each book, and other than the fact that you enjoyed it and that you learned a lot of stuff, the main thing was like, I want to support that dude. I want to <laughs> I want to go to that guy's concert. I want to see that guy's next movie. I feel like I understand him a little bit after reading his book, which is pretty beautiful. And I guess yeah, when I said I wasn't really a fan, I never listened to Will Smith's music much. I did like I did like him as a as a movie star. No, sure, he's done great. <laughs> I mean, as has Dave Grohl. So yeah. so my. I'm like you. I, I, I don't have, I mean, I know a little bit more about Nirvana and Foo Fighters' respective catalogs, but one thing that's always stuck in my mind, I have a friend who lives out on the West Coast, and he used to work for Jay Leno back when that was a thing. And, you know, inevitably when I ran into him, hey, you know, what, what's the story? What are the celebrities like? And the two that jump out in my mind is he <laughs> said that Christina Aguilera was absolutely awful to deal with, and he said that the Foo Fighters were really great guys. They come across that way in this book. I mean, yeah. they come across as just being a party everywhere. Yeah, and and that, he was just like totally genuine. Hang out, let's talk, do whatever, you know. <laughs> he talked at one point about his utter delight in eating KFC and champagne after a show. It <laughs> just, just cracked me up. Who anyway, knows? Yeah. So again, whether you are a big fan, if you are a big fan, you probably like it even more. But even if you're not, and you just have a passing interest in, you know, some pop culture and some really excellent stories, because even if you're not a huge fan of either of these guys, you're probably a fan of some of the people they're going to talk about. And I put Grohl's book in my top ten for last year. Yeah, I mean, and and Will could well be in the top ten for 2022 for me. And I'll, I'll put it this way too: when you said, "Oh my gosh, this Dave Grohl book, you have to read it," I was like. Ugh. 
You were like a typical book that Joe asks me to read. But, anyway. uh, but I, I completely was wrong. This was a great book. Both of these were wonderful books, and I'm so happy that I read them. I may be a bit emotional over here. I'm verklempt. What can I say? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Moving right along then, we're going to go on into what we're going to read for the next two weeks. This is one that I have already finished and mentioned, mm -hmm. and then you're going to finish it up over these next two weeks. It's yes. called Tangled Up in Blue, Policing the American City by Rosa Brooks. Yep. Looking forward to it. It's so good. Was excited to read it anyway, and, and now I've got a good reason to. So we'll talk about that in two weeks, a, a Valentine's era <laughs> episode. Absolutely worth it. So I suppose I should read something lovey-dovey in the meanwhile, too. I don't know. You don't read anything lovey-dovey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, if you want to let us know what you thought about any of the books we've talked about this week, or if you have read Tangled Up in Blue or have questions about it at all, you can get in touch with us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod or on Twitter at paperbackreaderspod. That's it. Thanks so much. Always appreciate you guys tuning it in. And for goodness sake, whatever else you're doing out there, keep reading. 